let me ask you that question. Is this today, this Monday, a Monday like any other, or is it something that we're going to remember for years to come as we did the 20th of September uh, 10 years ago? Well, for most of us and all of the public, it's just a Monday. Uh, a political party is having a meeting and will take a decision. So we'll know whether this is a special Monday or just an ordinary Monday until there is a formal decision. Mm. And until that time, I'm not prepared to believe any of the kind of fake news, flake news, um, and sort of Twitters and whispers that come out from here and there. I mean, it's a piece of we don't know, frankly. Until there's a formal announcement, we won't know. But, you know, indications are that they might ask him to go, as they've repeatedly asked him, asked him before. Whether he does or he doesn't, of course, we'll have to wait for the formal announcement. But more importantly for me, Mr. Fikir, let's talk about the events that have led us here. I mean, there's been talk of uh, the highest uh, body within the ANC that is in terms of equipped to make certain decisions as setting. There's even a, a, a meme, I recall, uh, saying the NEC saying to the NWC, what should we do? And the NWC goes back to the NEC and says, no, you tell us what we sh- should we do. <laughs> so, uh, you know, how significant is that? The fact that we've ha- we've seen those organs of the party sitting to discuss this very issue. And does it mean that we're now at the end of the line? No, precisely. It is it is very confusing, but I think we need to let's 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 simplify this and let's let's separate the issues because there are political issues at play in the party. There are then procedural issues at play in the party, and then there are political and procedural issues at play in Parliament. So let's let's separate them and take them by turns. In the party, within the ANC Of course, it's the National Executive Committee, which is the highest decision-making body of the the ANC. The National Working Committee is actually almost, in terms of the ANC, it is almost like an implementing arm. It will discuss things, it takes decisions, but those decisions, recommendations that they make have to be implemented or ratified, and, and the decision firmly taken by the NEC who then instructs whichever other organ of the party, to do what needs to be done. So the NEC ultimately carries the buck. It must make the decision. It is the highest decision-making body. Once it makes a decision, the National Working Committee or any other structure of the party must then implement it. So today what may be expected is that the NEC must make this decision about whether they would like President Zuma to go. And this is when you now start muddying the waters between a political process in the party and a political process which needs to happen outside. So if they prevail upon the president to go, he needs to, if he's going to go, voluntarily resign. Effectively, as the public, that's how we see it. Inside the ANC, they can call it a recall, they can call it a rescindment, they can call it a a recall of its deployee, they can call it a redeployment, they can call it whatever they want. But technically, we as a public would have to view that as a voluntary resignation. So this is a case of President Zuma saying, okay, I respect the wishes of my party, they don't want me to serve in this office anymore, I will go. If, however, he says to them, convince me why I should go, Clearly, the idea of just that there are two centers of power now doesn't make sense because there isn't, in fact, two centers of power. If we believe the ANC at its own word, which says 
the ANC is the center of power, and they will tell others and, and its employees what to do, then clearly there is no two centers of power, firstly. Secondly, the current president of the ANC is the deputy president of the republic. That's not an insignificant or not powerful position. So how is there two centers of power? The reason I go can't be simply because there are two centers of power. There must be something else. You've defended me for nine years. You have propped me up in power for nine years. You have uh, ratified all of the decisions I have made in executive office over nine years. So you're now going to tell me why I need to go. Uh, But, you know, the third point is that all of that discussion becomes moot if you believe that you're a disciplined cater of the ANC, as they like to call it. Now your party is asking you to go, you need to go. But now let's take the alternative scenario. He decides he mustn't go, he doesn't want to go, because constitutionally uh, he is entitled to serve out until the end of his term in 2019. Then the ANC, if they want, have got to ask their people to either support a motion of no confidence in Parliament or go through an impeachment process. But those, both of those raise other political considerations, and those are as follows. How much, and I'm not sure either of them are sure about how much of the parliamentary caucus they actually command, and whether they can actually whip all of the members in line to vote a particular way. That's muddied and complicated by the fact that a precedent has been set for a secret ballot. So... You now have a secret ballot. You have an opposition which publicly says we would like the president to go. But it's not in their interest for that to happen. They could well end up in a secret ballot vote on a motion of no confidence. And no one knows who votes which way. And therefore, you cannot make a Mm. predictable calculation of how this would unfold. That actually uh, reminds me of uh, back at the time in in September when the then Gauteng Premier Mbazima Shuloa said uh, the ANC cannot afford a vote of no confidence because it would simply serve to divide the party further. Uh, We've got opposition parties now who are saying that... um, they're not going to play into internal politics of the party. They want to force a vote of no confidence. Uh, and the EFF going as far as saying they actually don't want so almost implying uh, that uh, by uh, sheer numbers, depending on the configuration, they actually could change the fortunes which the, eighth, the ANC seems to think is guaranteed. Oh, well, they're absolutely right in principle about the fact that, uh, you know, they're putting the, the majority party on notice saying that you not only are failing to take care of your internal business, which unfortunately is affecting government business, firstly. Secondly, you and we as a collective as parliament have been found to be wanting, therefore we should go and seek a fresh mandate. That doesn't really, uh, that's that's not untrue. But of course the ANC in terms of section 50 of the constitution, even if all of the opposition decide they're going to walk out or they're going to resign, that won't necessarily collapse either government or parliament. The ANC can still go on and parliament can still go on but it fundamentally will lose all of the credibility that ought to attach to an institution of that nature. So clearly the ANC has talked both itself and the society literally on the brink, because here's the reality. Even if parliamentary proceedings and government proceedings do continue, the opposition are not going to make it easy for any new president, Uh, whether it's a caretaker after Zuma resigns, if he does, 
or whether it's the Silram Raposa himself or some other caretaker president, they're not going to make it easy for that person until there is a fresh election. So, you know, and until there is a fresh mandate, moral authority of the ANC to drive through any program of government is now going to be significantly limited. Mm. And at the time when there was uh, debate over whether or not the recall of uh, former President Mbege had to do uh, with his performance of poli- or policies, then later the whole issue of collective leadership came up. And, and that's also been um, a, a common theme with regards to President Jacob Zuma for those who've sought for him to step down and those who said he should uh, stay. Then the bigger question is, if there's an acceptance that indeed that uh, some of, if not a great deal of the failures should be uh, put at the feet of collective leadership, if you say to him that he should step down as head of state, does that mean that there is still room for him to play a significant role within the ANC as a party? Well, there is because, well, you know, formally... Uh, all former presidents remain ex-official members, but you know, in practice, they're not going to do that. The worry for me, uh, and it should be for everyone else, is not so much that President Zuma himself continues to play an active role. It's all of the people around him and who kind of coalesced, whether ideologically, whether for acts of corruption or, or state capture, or whatever people want to term it. It's all of those people who remain not in just in the ANC, but remain in some instances in the parliamentary benches, which are going to make life uncomfortable for the, in, for the new incumbent, because in part they will view this as a way in which they can destabilize him. There's another argument which says that, well, you know, eventually people side with the new power, with the new sheriff in town, and that much is true. But clearly some people have so much at stake, there's so much at risk, that they can't afford to either lose the protection of President Zuma while he's in office, or that in any bargain he reaches for vacation office of, of the state president, that he, he elicits guarantees that they too, are some de- to some degree, are protected. Now, what that kind of deal would imply, or what that bargain would imply, what we need to watch out for, is that it doesn't continue the trend of manipulation of state institutions, improper appointments, uh, compliance on accountability on malicious and vexatious grounds, so just simply tying things up in procedural knots so that the outcomes are actually delayed, prosecutions are delayed, or they don't happen at all. And that's what we need to watch out for. So for me, it's less of an issue of concern of how, you know, to what extent uh, Zuma remains active in the politics of the ANC. It's about the lieutenants which surrounded him, whether on projects of state capture, whether they coalesced on ideological uh, issues and policies uh, or not, and the extent to which they can destabilize a new incumbent.